0: Just past the bottom of the hour on a Wednesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Huddle 1061 ESPN here in the capital city of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, we're going to talk with a guy who writes for the Capital of the United States paper, the Washington Post. He is Chuck Culpepper. He's been covering some college football over the weekend and has seen some fascinating stuff, including Dion Sanders and his Colorado team winning at TCU. Chuck Culpepper joins us this afternoon. Hello, Chuck. How are you?
1: Good afternoon from Tech, still in Texas. Thanks for really? having me.
0: All right. Yep. Uh, stay down there. Why not? Yeah, you saw a doozy down there in, in Fort Worth. I love the headline, at least the online headline in the Washington Post. Now, you don't write the headline, but that and your story was great, too. But Deion Sanders in Colorado get a statement win. Then make a lot of statements. So let's <laughs> take this. Let's take this in two parts, Chuck, because that's kind of what you wrote about. You can read his column, WashingtonPost.com/sports. Uh, what you saw and what you heard. Let's start with what you saw, and how stunning do you think that victory really was by Colorado over TCU?
1: I think it was like seven out of ten stunning mm-hmm. on the full weight of stunning, mm-hmm. and it. Um, there were so many things about it. One being uh, his son, the quarterback Shadour Sanders, and the way he played. And I think even more than the 510 yards, which is the first 500-yard passing game in that school's history, is that just the absolute absence of mistakes. I, I can't, there were no interceptions, and I can't even think of a time there was really even a hint of one. And just so completely, you know, with it and. You wouldn't necessarily think that for a first Power Five game. You know, this guy's been putting up beautiful numbers for two years at Jackson State, which is also not easy. But, you know, you, th- you would think maybe he-, he says the only thing that's different is that when you scramble, the guy's chasing you, they get off their blocks faster and get to you faster. So, you know, he seems to think it's pretty similar, and he played like it was pretty similar. That blew me away.
0: Mm-hmm. And I guess when you throw for 510 yards, you better have some pretty darn good receivers. And I think he had what four 100-yard receivers in that game, Chuck?
1: Four 100-yard <laughs> receivers, and just just players all over the place and routes all over the place, and you know a lot of short passes. A lot of um makes me always think of Bill Walsh thinking way back. You know, a lot of a lot of just short controlled passing game. And then when he had to throw the deep ball, though, he threw that really well, too. So I was thoroughly, thoroughly, I mean, I just came, I was at the Women's World Cup in Australia, and I was thinking, gosh, is the jet lag still getting to me? Because I I thought they'd be okay. I didn't think they'd get routed or anything, but they were just, they they were very good in a precise way for an opener, especially the precision was great. But also, they knew how to win. It was mm-hmm. like they already knew how to win for a program that went one and eleven last year, and of course, eighty-six new players. So that explains some of it. So,
0: Chuck, because you were there, let's let's go there for a moment. What was the vibe? in the stadium. Like what was the vibe before the game started? I mean, this is a TCU team that played in the national championship game. Didn't really show up, but played in the national championship game a year ago. They're not as good this year, but they still came in preseason top 20. And then how that vibe changed as that game unfolded.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, just, you know, you walking up toward it, all the, all the purple, all the sound signs about frogs, you know, it's such a great mascot idea. It's such a, <laughs> You know, it's such sort of essence of college football in that way. Um, it's not a humongous stadium. It's a it's a pretty big one, but it's not a humongous stadium. So it has a great feel to it. Um, new season, as you've heard about the weather in Texas, you know, just scary hot. So that was one thing about it, and that was another thing. Of later, you think about trying to run an offense in that in that heat too. Um, that was impressive, but anyway. Uh, yeah, great atmosphere leading in. They, they they just had this big season, even though they lost that playoff game. They the title game. They still beat Michigan in the in the national semi, um, which they still you know still have some glow off of that. You could feel it, but then you could just you could sense as it went on. You know, the, there were a lot of plays that quieted the crowd. You know, they they get revved up. There was a big fourth down that, that where Colorado scored its winning touchdown. There was couple big third downs and so there were just a lot of times when when you thought it was you know you're if you're if you're tcu fan you probably don't you don't yet have the arrogance built over decades of success that other places have but you know maybe they a feeling of yeah we're we're just about to put it together we're just about to get there we're just about to get a stop for a change and then it would just go quiet uh
0: as they watched a lot of those big plays made by colorado almost all of them involved travis hunter because he was on the field both offensively and defensively and as you wrote he went all shohei otani on the game what a remarkable performance there chuck
1: And right in that in that heat you know 11 a.m start it was so long about one thirty or 2 actually it took a long time that game too but about one thirty-two, two thirty, you're getting toward the worst part of the day, and he's on, you know, his hundred twentieth play, hundred thirtieth play. I think he got to one forty-four at the end. Mm. Um, uh, give him the Heisman right now. Of course, they don't <laughs> give it right now, but you know, if they did, um, I, I just I I marvel at Otani. I I in a way I can't believe that anyone can do what he does. You know, and so. And this guy, you know, the same thing and he you know, he he's he came in afterward in his, his Deion Sanders T shirt too, so he's followed him to two schools now. And um, you know, when he when he first was a number one recruit in the USA from Georgia and they they were uh and he, he he chooses Jackson State, he has the pick of everybody, he chooses Jackson State. There were people who wondered if he hindered himself with that. I never bought into that at all i think if you've got that kind of talent and drive and and work ethic the nfl will find you where wherever you go i thought it was it was a you know beautiful statement that he made when he went there so now he's followed him to colorado as well and now he's the heisman front runner really something really really something
0: all right, Chuck, let's go all in on Coach Prime here. As you quoted him, when he walks in to meet the media after the game, he's certainly not going to miss an opportunity like this. I got all my receipts. Should I pull out all my receipts now? <laughs> what did you hear? What What did you take away from everything that was vintage primetime Dion Sanders?
1: Well, I mean, some of the receipts, like all such receipts in those situations are at least a little bit manufactured. You know, you, you, you're hunting for slights wherever you can find them. It's sort of part of the history of athletes, right? They're very good at, at finding someone who doubted them, you know, in, in, in the lay, all the layers of coverage they've gotten, you know, they they're, they're very good at that. And he's, He certainly played that that day I I don't really get a sense I think a lot of people didn't like how he revamped the roster Mm -hmm. you know and they criticized that but that's different from saying hey it's not going to work and he seemed to be you know after those guys who uh, after people in the media who he presumed uh, did not quote believe unquote so um, it was a lot it was very entertaining It was uh, way above what you normally get from the from the post game uh, press conference of football coaches who are who are a notoriously uh, kind of purposely dull lot. And um, but it, yeah, it was very entertaining. And it but I, I did kind of sit there thinking, uh, it's a tr- tremendous win this is, but it's a lot of talk for one win, you know." And I think. Society has kind of pushed that way, too. We we make our evaluations faster than we used to. We don't wait for, you know, a whole season to unfold before we evaluate somebody. And it felt like they had evaluated the, the Colorado season um, very quickly based on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, they still got, you know, well, Nebraska this week. I'll ask you about that in just a second. And I want to move on to a little bit of other college football in the time we've got. But, I mean, they've still got uh, Oregon and Oregon State and USC uh, and Utah, all those teams uh, still to go And what's been a glorious start for the Pac-12, an unbeaten start, in fact, for the for the Pac-12. So let, let's not, you know, jump the gun just yet. But what do you think Saturday will be like? You know, now they play at home. It was going to be hyped anyway. And now they win this game and they get Nebraska coming in there uh, this Saturday for their first home game?
1: Well, here I am. I just said, you know, I just said, well, that's only one game. But <laughs> I'm uh, here I am operating this bit of thinking off that game by saying I really, really expect them to win. I mean, I, yeah. Nebraska <laughs> has such problems scoring, for one thing. Uh, what was that? Minnesota, the opener against Minnesota, they probably should have, you could say they should have won. They were up 10 10 nothing, I believe, and lost 13-10, 10-3 late, um, going into Colorado and the excitement that's going to be there. You know, I've been starving for a long time in this case. And in the case of, you know, Colorado fans, it's one of the best places in the United States to watch a game. I think I always put it two on my list behind Wisconsin. But um, it's, you know, it's the, the level of energy there is going to be uh, – I actually don't see how Nebraska can win the game. I can't believe we're saying that. <laughs> I know, but but uh, you
0: make a very compelling compelling point there for sure. Uh, Chuck Colpepper from the Washington Post uh, joining us. So that was, you know, one of the headline stunners, and I know there are a few others, but we only got a few minutes left, so I want to get to the one at least in our region that we talked about a lot yesterday, and that was Duke's win over Clemson. And, you know, it certainly didn't grab the headlines like Dion did, but, man, oh, man, that was a heck of a performance performance. By a basketball school,
1: wasn't it? It sure was, and you know that that is a startling or I, I didn't I don't know if I thought Clemson was going to be in the playoff or anything this year, but I thought it was going to be a case where you know they've still been very good. They were just so used to being uh, utmost good, you know, top of the country good for a few years there, quite a few years there that being very good. Seem like a letdown. I think for some of their fans, maybe many of their fans. Um, I kind of expected them to maybe curve the the curve to go back up again, and so I was just completely startled with that that and that score and the I guess turnovers in the red zone and you know they they probably if you think about it were not that much dominated in a twenty eight to seven way, which was the final score. They probably were not that much dominated uh, possession to possession, if you think about it. But mm-hmm. the mistakes and it's just you know they bec- they had become this program where when they play their conference opponents like Duke, you don't even think about it really. And mm-hmm. and while they used to have one or two close calls a year, it seemed um, the idea that Duke beat them like that was just really, really surprised me.
0: Absolutely. Sure did. Hey, let me ask you about one more, and maybe I'm going off the beaten path just a little bit here, and obviously we don't catch up ahead of time and say, Chuck, here are the teams or the games that we're going to talk about. Um, But Virginia's playing its first home game, Chuck, on Saturday since last year's tragedy. Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., Deshaun Perry, and the tragedy that the entire country obviously um, was watching and feeling for them. What do you think that will be like for that Virginia football team uh come this this Saturday against
1: James Madison? I think that's hard I think it's it's a tough way to go out and play i'm sure um it's it's still and probably will always be uh I'll just feel that's my school, obviously, and while it's been a long time since I went to school there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just completely broken hearted. I think that would be true true word at any school, but when you can when you can picture all the you know, the, the setting around it, the places around it and and then something just just so unspeakably tragic happens, I think um I, I just those those were beloved men those those three men and and i think the teammates who loved them i think that's a difficult equation to go out and play in what's going to be um you know just such a highly emotional occasion and i i um i i really respect sort of the the act of playing mm-hmm. after something like that in the sense of um, in the sense of how you do it and how hard it is. And and um, I don't think anybody should place any expectations on a team going through that on a day like that.
0: Absolutely. Well said by the Virginia Cavalier that you are. Chuck, thank you so much uh, for this afternoon, particularly for the insight on Dion Sanders and the Colorado win against TCU. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you with more talk as the fall unfolds for us. Thank you, Chuck.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Chuck Culpepper from the Washington Post. Yeah, he uh, got his B.A. degree at the University of Virginia. So, you know, that it tugs on the, the heartstrings of everyone, but particularly the alums. And if you happen to know those three guys uh, or you know somebody who knows those guys. Uh, and I heard Mike Barber on with, with Matt earlier this afternoon talking about, you know, this thing could go one of two ways on Saturday. This could be the, the cleansing that they need to be able to never, as we've said, move on but move forward, uh, they've got to get past this one. They played the first game last week. Uh, now I think they've got to get through the emotion of this one this week. And as we even um, talked about with Jalen Walker from James Madison, the the other, the guys on the other sideline will feel this as well. Uh, they they get it. They'll they'll be there. They'll they'll get through that ceremony as well they're wearing the decals on the back of their helmets as well everybody's all in on this together as well they should be and then they're going to put a football on a tee at about 1205 and they're going to kick it off and it's going to be a football game and then we'll see how that unfolds as well. Fascinating stuff. All right. Chuck Colpepp from the Washington Post. Again, great to have that uh, first hand perspective on what he saw and felt at TCU Saturday for for Colorado and TCU. And yeah, I don't think Colorado loses this week at home uh, to a scuffling the Nebraska team anyway, that that has already uh, lost a game this year. And we'll, you know, be going into a hornet's nest there at at Colorado. All right, break time, 4.48 on the Sports Auto. Once again, we're flying through this 4 o'clock hour. We're going to keep it going, One zero six one ESPN.